0: You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast season four, The Starter Set. I'm one of your hosts, Mark of the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA. And with me today, I have my legendary, never fateful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, and my eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative co-host, Gibbles and Bits. And I'm realizing right now I don't exactly remember, but I'm gonna take the 50-50 shot, flip the coin. Gibbles and Bits, how you doing today, man?
1: You would be correct. I went yeah. second last time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well, man. Uh it's been a fun weekend. Uh, thankfully it's that my bad. power is still on. Yeah, it's been one week since we recorded last. It's no, it's it's been a good weekend. Um, I got I got some of my socialization skills out there and, and at an event for my wife. So, um, you know, different people grab different energies from from being in crowds.
0: Some that people it true. makes them
1: nervous and it makes them anxious and they are uncomfortable. For me, it's where I thrive. So I'm feeling actually pretty pretty re, rebooted this week going into the work week because of all the socialization that I got to do this weekend. And I also got to do uh, some really fun things like pull out an old video game. One of my favorites that I haven't gotten to play in a long time called Diddy Kong Racing from. Oh my gosh. I love that game. I it is one of my all time favorite games and it is. I really like racing games, but not when it's like so overcomplicated and nuanced and like, Oh, you're going to have to raise the, um, I'm gonna put an exhaust panel on this car. and I'm gonna lower it by five degrees, like like with all like the Gran Turismo games, and, uh, all like the F1 style games. Yeah, like Forza. My old roommate used to play Forza a lot, and like I'm watching him like mod out this car. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a big car guy, so I don't really care. So give me maybe five or six different stats, depending on like weight and acceleration and speed, and a couple other things if you want to throw them in there. And that's to the extent that I would like to like be able to mod i don't want you i don't want it to it to be destiny style where you're you've got three thousand different pieces to pick from and three thousand different models and you're trying to make like the most maxed out thing possible but diddy kong racing is not like that and it's also like a pretty decent one player story mode to go through that's accomplishable but it's also pretty difficult fly the rocket bro
0: what you take off in the rocket at the end
1: you do you go and I and I just got I, I started a, a new run um, maybe a week ago and I have gotten to sit down in a couple different sessions and I just got to where Wizpig pig takes off in the rocket and you're now um, in the, the spaceport
2: for yes. the, for the last,
1: last four races or so. So but I'm doing the, the adventure two where everyone's all of your opponents are faster and all of the turns it screws yeah. with your muscle memory because all of the turns are reversed. So yep. which is the worst.
0: Dude, I think Diddy Kong Racing was the first game I ever beat as a child. I think and it, it may be one of like, the only ones that I ever actually beat as a child. And,
1: and Whizpig is like uh, touted as like one of the hardest. Like there was there was a couple like Watch Mojo videos where they were like, "Here are here's our list for the top fifteen hardest bosses in video games." Whizpig's up there. Like I've seen him on a couple of those lists, which is <laughs> crazy that it's that tough to beat him. And maybe that's from like a, a like a perspective of it being like a family friendly game versus like, like number one, number two was like Bloodborne and like Dark Souls and like rightfully so. <laughs> but like Whiz Pig is like barely making it into the cup. And I was like, that's I beat that. And that's on a list that's important to me.
2: <laughs> so so it's funny that you mentioned uh, that that was one of the first games that you guys beat the first game I ever owned and also the first game i ever beat was lego racers Uh, coming out about the same time of that lego racers to me is like i I will always like have this like obsession with that game because like yeah like my dad and i played the demo the down free downloadable demo where you just get to play one track from the first circuit um and uh we played that track like a billion times and Mm -hmm. then uh the next christmas got the game and like oh my gosh dude like so those like og uh like racing games from that period especially where they had like a story component where like you had to like beat the different uh bosses and stuff like that and the other thing that was really cool was that like uh with lego racers is yeah you had a different boss that you'd played through the circuit and they were always really tough um and uh like they did the thing that Gibby mentioned in, in Lego uh, leg Eracers too, where like you played through the first like five or four or five bosses. And then for the back half, they took most of the circuits and like changed them slightly and, or reversed the order or like added different paths and stuff like that. And so like, you were like, Oh, I know that. Oh, wait, I don't know this. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> I, I don't. It's, re- it's, it's all out of order. There was, um, there yeah now i'm on this like mental track of like all the old like dope racing games um like crash team racing with on on ps1 if you ever played that one that is like it's similar to diddy kong racing but it's it's even like the storyline is even further and better and more fleshed out so like it's it's i just miss those old those og games
0: Yeah, me too, man. I Dude, Diddy Kong Racing is a freaking flash. I did play LEGO Racers, too. But, uh, DBN, man, how are you doing? What you been up to? Welcome back to the studio.
2: Oh, man. Thank you. Uh, I'm doing well. Um, you know, I've been... Si- since last time we recorded, I've been to two uh, Pokemon TCG events in real life. One was the um, uh, release event for Obsidian Flames. Uh and then the other one was this last week uh, playing in a league challenge, which is like a more like competitive thing. And I think like the top couple people in each of the different age divisions actually get a couple oh, points cool. for like a, like the pro circuit, whatever. So like there was actually good players there. Yeah. Not a lot of points, but a couple points, you know? Um, so there was a, actually a decent amount of players crammed into the shop. I think that there was like t- 20 uh, like quote unquote masters division players so like you know adults and then like another eight like youth uh Mm -hmm. players and stuff like that so it was almost 30 people in the uh in the board game cafe that we that i've been going to and just not just going to for pokemon but going to for like everything like it's my favorite spot in richmond now um unplugged uh board games cafe is the best and if you pass through Richmond, you should go there because not only are they... It's a, it's a really cool spot with, like, actually, like, you know, you can order drinks and food and stuff like that and, like, sit in booths and just... But, like, go get board games off the wall and play. But also the owners are just so nice and friendly. And um, the staff is always like, hey, do you want me to teach you this board game? Can I make any recommendations? Like, it's fantastic. Anyways, um, so uh, I literally, like, after I visited Gibby, a few months back and had such a good experience at, uh, board to beers. Um, I was like, okay, I need to find a spot like that near me. And I, I found this place and like, this has become like my favorite. Um, I go there once or twice a week now, obviously Pokemon being the new, Mm -hmm. uh, reason, but, uh, but between the, the release event and the league challenge, I have won a total of one game (laughs) between them. Uh, But I've been having like so much fun and having a lot of close games, having a lot of, uh, you know, really uh, good learning experiences and stuff. And, you know, playing the TCG live, uh, it's just a very different vibe. And and I realized that like I'm uh, a little bit less polished on like my uh, like IRL competitive card gaming like um, habits. You know what I mean? Like you think differently when it's just yourself behind a screen and you got a cup of coffee and there's no outside noise or I'm anything usually like that.
0: Angry too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, maybe, but you know, sitting there with the cards in your hands and, and you know, lots of stuff going on around you. And I'm realizing like, wow, like I'm really out of it from all those years of playing in a card shop competitively. And like in the zone and I'm like, man, I'm having a hard time getting back into the, the zone for this stuff. But, uh, but it was just—it's just been such a fun experience, and like, it's crazy to think that like a few months ago, I finished playing like we finished reviewing TCG, and I was like, I don't know if I'll keep playing this. And now you're playing. It's been every like week. a, yeah, like a complete 180. And look, is it the best card game around? No, it has flaws and weaknesses. But it's still extremely fun. And at least in my area, the community around it has been so friendly and welcoming that it's been like that social component that I didn't know I needed. So, yeah. Mm. Counts for a lot. It really does. does. It really does. Yeah, if you find a good group to game with, man,
0: you know, that'll that'll even get me to play Dungeons & Dragons 5.0. Uh, I've had a good group to game with, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's an inside joke. I just I spent a lot of time outside of D&D for, okay, if I had a good group that wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons 4.0, I, it still wouldn't uh, yeah, be worth I, it. I don't socially think you could for uh, that really agony. convince
2: me to do yeah. that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no way. Uh, anyway, well, I've been playing uh, Baldur's Gate 3 this week. So Ooh. I played a good bit of The Witcher, literally, basically, until BG3 came out. And on top of that, my 10th wedding anniversary was this week. That's how old I am, guys. Ooh, I've been married congrats, for 10 years. Congratulations,
1: That's my awesome. friend.
0: Thanks, guys. We, I mean, it wasn't like we did uh, We did what anybody, I guess, who's probably married 10 years and is happy does, which is we went to Lowe's and Costco and then the Cheesecake Factory. So, and then to sleep
1: at 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah,
0: well, actually, I came home and Jen read a book by herself, and I went and played. More <laughs> games with um, so... That was when we celebrated on the actual anniversary. um, We just went out and and somebody watched our kids and we got pizza from this really dope pizza place in this. uh, It's like a podunk little dead steel town. But there's the thing about little dead steel towns in the area that I live is there. They have a lot of like the ethnic qualities of like the people that originally moved to that town still. And so like, you'll come to one that just has like really good Polish food, just like no one lives here, but there's a place that sells killer Mm. Polish food. Right. Um, And there are all these like European joints, like, you know, and so like this, this little town has this incredible brick oven pizza place. Um, And there's like nothing else there. Um, we literally, like, as we were driving home, we saw somebody doing, like, a, like oh, a, no, in the weaving, like a weaving demonstration in front of Town Hall, like, with a loom. Um, and there was, like, a bunch of people from town gathered to watch this looming presentation. I have no idea. But it's, like, that type of place, right? There's nothing else to do here. Let's go watch someone use a loom. Um, and I'll say
1: looming exhibition. How about that?
0: There we go. The looming exhibition. Super good pizza, um, but I've been really hooked on Baldur's Gate three. Um, it's been it's been super super fun. I've been enjoying it. Uh, I'm playing. I've started a couple of games, but I'm playing a palfal Paladin uh, with a level in Warlock. And then tonight, I have a group of three guys from our church and me who are getting together in creating a four player game so like in this game you collect npcs and you can learn their stories and stuff but you can just as easily attack and kill all the npcs or not take them into your party and so we're gonna play a game where we don't take in any of the npcs but just the four of us play in the four player party um and so i'm excited about that i think that'll kind of be fun so the group of folks that i would usually like never actually have time to play dungeons and dragons with and so I think maybe without having to have a DM and it just casually being over the internet and Discord, it it'll happen. So between Gwent and BG3, man, that's been like all of my gaming time. I have noticed this. Gwent's commitment in terms of the length of a game is longer than some other card games, especially if you have a slow moving player on the other side. And so I've gotten myself in trouble a couple of times now where I'm like to my (laughs) wife, I'm like, I'll be done. I'm just going to play a quick five-minute game. and Yeah, no. I n- <laughs> it's never that long.
2: It's yeah. it's more like Pokemon TCG length um, for sure.
0: Yeah, I've had like to be careful about like trying to squeeze a game in. The games are actually harder to squeeze in than some of the other games that we've played that I find it a little bit easier to squeeze games in for.
2: You know... Um... One of the best game, one of the best games for squeezing games, and I thought was Duelist, by the way. But um, one of the things that uh, Gibby kind of gave me a hard time with, maybe it was you, Mark, I don't know, but one of you gave me a hard time about like how did you, why was this a like wind down before bed game? And the reason I realized, yeah, it was me, I realized it's because of exactly what you mentioned. It's a little bit of a longer commitment, and so I can play a game. And if at the end of the game, I'm tired, I'm like, it's time for bed, right? Like, I don't want to start another game, which could be 20, 25 minutes. If depending on the situation could be less, but like, it's time for bed. But like, if I get to the end of one Mm -hmm. game and I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling good. Let's do another one. And it's like this perfect mix of like, it's not like a 45 minute commitment where I'm like the back half and I'm going to be like falling asleep and slogging through like Dota 2 used to be right. Like I'd never played that at the end of the night when I was tired because I'd be just feeding myself and by the end of the game if I was tired right but flip side it's like um when something is like these short quick hits it doesn't let my brain wind down and my I'll just keep clicking go again go again mm. go again so that middle tier of length I think is exactly what I what helps me wind down I do the same thing sometimes with like um, like Hearthstone um the battlegrounds battle is that what it's called battlegrounds yeah yeah. i don't know why that was hard for me to remember um i used to do it with like uh, dota underlords or any of those like uh, storybook brawl any of those um you know auto battlers was another thing similar situation so anyways yeah
0: i do the same with tft but those games are sometimes like 40 minutes and i find that like actually if i play tft before (laughs) that i can't sleep because i'm Well, that's the thing. That's when I
2: know I I know it's time to go to Um, bed when I like get knocked out in the bottom half of the lobby. You know, (laughs) because it's clearly I'm not focusing. (laughs)
0: My problem is, is I hit like an energy burst every night at around the same time. And then I, if I don't force myself to go to bed, I'd be up right. to like two in the morning every single night, which it would be very unhealthy and make it hard to move the next day. Hence what happened yesterday with Baldur's Gate three. Yeah, and dangerous. I didn't fall asleep until two o'clock in the morning and then was
2: incapable of getting up in time. Honestly, today. it's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it's uh, good. It's it, playing it, a risk I, a game I there, need sir. to. Yes. You know, uh, when I finally get. um You know set up at my whatever my next job is gonna be I definitely think one of my first like big expenditures after that will be like getting a new gaming PC so that I can play things like Baldur's Gate but honestly it's Mm. it's really good that my PC can't handle Baldur's Gate right now like it's so good for me. I wouldn't be doing it and like. I'm and I'm trying to like I watched like when the early uh, release stuff or early access stuff I watched some streams and like enjoyed I watched enjoyed watching you stream it um, but I have st- since stayed like spoiler free like I'm not gonna you know because I want to experience it really bad but I also am like now is not the time <laughs> I I get that
0: it's not a good time for me either, to be honest with you. Well, maybe it's an okay time, but yeah, uh, it's really good. It's great. It's great. Um, but moving on, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh the Witcher card in Gwent today. Uh, we are in week two of our conversation on Gwent. Week one went really well. Like we had a great time uh chatting about it. We chatted about all the factions. Actually, one of the longer episodes we've put out this year, I think. Uh, with all the content that we went through in that one. This one, probably not quite as long. We're going to go through how to build a collection, but I also just want like a quick update. And, DBN, you can decide if you want to give an update on this or not, because I know like this is a returning player adventure for you versus a new player adventure. But at least, I think, for me and Gibby, at the very least, then, DBN, if you want to, um, let's have a little conversation about what our week in The Witcher looked like and mm-hmm. how it has shifted from... Uh, our first, you know, week in The Witcher, if it has shifted, uh, Gibby, what was your like uh week like in The Witcher? This week? you mean Gwent? Sure, Gwent. Yes, in The Witcher, in Gwent. <laughs> yes, I've I've,
1: Gwent. I've played the card The Witcher in Gwent plenty. Uh, there so you go. Yes. yes, so my week in Gwent has been uh pretty fun, honestly. So started out last week when we were just getting into the game, going okay. I took a similar approach to what we did in Duelist, where casually we in our chat we talked about what of the factions are we really interested in and it just so happened that a couple of the factions that i at least just from a theme perspective was interested in were ones that you all were not necessarily or was not favorites of of dbns having already played the game and were not ones that caught your eye as a new player mark being syndicate and northern realms so i dove head first i picked one I was like, syndicate's a little bit more dangerous and cool and like fun. So I picked syndicate and that's what I dove pretty hard into trying to build my collection and and playing. And I you're, I was limited to I'll say most of the first week in using just the starter deck, which mm-hmm. as we highlighted last episode, the syndicate starter deck is pretty cohesive. It, it runs pretty well. It's kind of a uh, fill the board strategy and everything kind of buffs itself and there's a lot, there is a, a pretty solid strategy that's not really that hard to execute outside of learning the, the extra coin system for the starter deck. So I, I played that deck a bunch and then I started to experiment with building my own uh, baby's first deck. So I, was, I started to build my own <laughs> deck that wasn't the starter and I tried to go in a different direction that wasn't the way the starter deck. starter deck plays all these Fire Sworn guys that... Um, they're basically just tokens on the board, or that's the clan tag essentially associated with them, and they all buff each other. And I went in a different direction, and I ended up building two decks. Start to start out with, I built a uh, a poison deck. So poison in Gwent, if you you can mark an opponent with poison, even your own characters, and sometimes to, for benefit. But if you mark an opponent with poison, and then you mark them again with poison, it kills. The unit, regardless of what happens, like regardless mm-hmm. of what the stats are, it they, they just die. So I, I, I made a poison and a bounty deck, bounty being if you put out a bounty on something and then you kill it, you get that many coins from the bounty uh, for whatever their base power was. So I built this really fun kind of heavy, heavy removal deck. And as I started to get more cards, that deck started to get better and better. Um, But I'll get more into the details of that since we're going to be talking about building a collection this, this uh, episode, I don't want to get so far into that. Um, But my, my week overall in Gwent was I got really hooked. This, Mm. this game is so much fun. And I started to get deeper in my strategy and started to understand some of the mechanics and um, picking up on cues from my opponent and Maximizing my resources and minimizing my commitment to where I was just winning rounds, like with the slowest, like smallest of margins, and that's the whole point of the game in general. But I, I, I started to pick up outside of just being a base new player, and I felt less like a base new player towards the end of the week, where I was like, okay, I've seen this before. I'm, I'm, I, I know what I know what this is. I'm, I know what I'm playing up against: monsters and vampires. Everything on my deck is going to bleed. Um, so I, yes, I, 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 felt like a better player even by the end of the week, just because the amount of time I spent invested into the game, um, but had a lot of fun with syndicate and into week two, I started to dip into, I thought I was going to really go after Northern realms, but I have shifted a little bit. I kind of threw, put Northern realms on the the bench and I did pick up Scoyotel instead. The yeah. uh, the nature faction Squatel um, is so which, interesting, which is very it's got a lot to it, and that is one that is going to take some time uh, for me to to, to get into uh, and, and get enough where it. it feels like it's going to be. I've got, I've got options. I've got one good deck with it right now, but uh, so playing mostly Squatel and and Syndicate right now. Well, for me, uh, the story of Gwen. my
0: last week in Witcher is a combination of uh, me saying what just happened and also a a, a firm statement (laughs) from the Gwent, not the Witcher, a firm statement from Gwent saying, oh, welcome to the game. Um, Because I went from feeling like, oh, okay, this is a syndicate deck. I know what this is going to do. It's going to generate coins, yada, 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 to, oh, hang on what is poison again? What does (laughs) it do? Why is all my stuff dead? Um, And then it went, okay, this is the, the nature elf deck. Okay. I know what this does. Hold up. How are you playing so many Witcher cards? What are all these Witcher cards that you have? I don't understand these factions. Why does everybody have this card in their deck that lets them tutor and play any card in the game and echo and do it again? um there was a lot
2: of like i mean to be fair to be fair that is a concerted deck building decision because it, it is the most expensive provision cost card in the game so very like, expensive if somebody is playing on you know that they have a they have less big cards and a lot more low cost low provision mm-hmm. cheap cards so i'm not complaining at
0: all because i had a great experience in gwent but it I'm was... just
2: chiming in with context for the audience.
0: No, no, no. I think that is helpful. Cause I did notice, I didn't know it was the most expensive one. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I did know it was expensive. Right. Tracks, and I know, though. and mm-hmm. I know that I don't have it. Um, but I will say it was like, I reached something happened. Like I reached rank 23. I think like I had been slowly, but surely ranking up as I was playing and, and, I was winning the majority of games and most of the stuff that I was up against was pretty much base decks, right? Tweaked base decks sometimes. There was a couple of things that I sort of had a problem with that I began to notice like, okay, Skellige probably has more of an issue with this faction than it does other factions. And then it got to the point where I noticed the true diversity of this game that there's more there than I thought, right? Because when I started going up against factions that I knew, but suddenly they were playing a strategy that was completely different. And it was like, oh, that must have been from a set that had come out that I haven't really had much encounter with. Or that must have been like a a strategy and a keyword that they focused on for a while that I wasn't even completely aware of existing yet. Um, I had that experience a lot, honestly, over the course of this last week playing the game. Wasn't a bad experience. It was just like I went from winning pretty much every single game to losing almost every game. Uh, I think I did a three hour stream and I had two quests to win five matches. And one of them had already had one win on it. And I ended without completing either of them. Uh, One of them was still one, like the one that I had started was still a win away. Um, So that just goes to show like my experience last week when I was like, I win all of the games and I'm really good at this game to, Oh, now I understand why i was winning all the games and i started to realize how important it is to really refine your deck to a certain extent into a strategy and not have like a mix of maybe three strategies in your deck because that's what my skelega deck has um but that will get us into into deck building for sure and making a collection of cards um but uh, dbn how about your weekend went um any experiences that you want to uh emphasize or chat about i know that you are a returning player but i'm sure that you still are encountering some stuff that you were at least unfamiliar with
2: oh yeah for sure like there's definitely plenty for me to sort of uh, poke around in and and learn because like since last i played they released two more expansions uh, or two more card drops so like there's multiple archetypes in every faction that i'm unfamiliar with so as a you know a player going up against opponents with things i don't know it's like oh that's a thing okay all right uh but also like as a especially as like a true dedicated monsters player now i'm like i've got more fun toys to play with i'm going to start like you know um opening some i've got some reward keys i'm trying to figure out how i want to spend but i also had some crafting materials so i uh i i dropped Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last episode, but I dropped some cash on the uh, most recent uh, card set that came out, which you can buy the entire thing for like 25 bucks as a bundle and just get all the cards, all premium, uh, just in one go. Instead of pulling them from packs randomly, which uh, I thought was a pretty good deal since we were returning to this. So I went ahead. It it, it is objectively a good deal if you want to get into this game because it's going to give you like half of a deck just as some... You know, each faction has basically uh, these cards that are all centered on the same theme. It's not like here's a couple cards for a couple different themes. They focus this set around like here's a new archetype that we're supporting, and here's a couple bronze, uh, you know, cards which bronzes you can play, you know, two copies of, and then a couple golds in support of the that archetype. Um, here you go. So for monsters, it was Ogroids. I think that's what they're called. Ogaloids, Ogroids? I I need to double check. They're giants. They're like giants. giants, kind of right. They're just big, yeah. Yeah. Guys. Uh, mean, uh, chunky. Yeah, giants slash ogres guys. slash um, you know, uh, trolls and stuff like that. Right. So um, I got that. Unfortunately for me, it's kind of the actually the full deck is a little bit pricey uh, because. Uh, some of the best ogroids are, uh, some of the, like some of the ones that have been in the game for a while, uh, which is really cool because those were always like not tech cards, but they were like, this is like v- high value, good stuff cards. I'm going to play this high provision count, 11 point slam, no effect. Like that's what he did. He you just slammed on the board. He's 11 points. It's a good like round closer in round one or two. Um, but, you know, they really uh, reworked some of the fun stuff to be like, for instance, the, the big legendary that they dropped in that set was King Crumb. And King Crumb basically has uh, a base power equal to the number of ogres in your starting deck. So, like, I'm running a deck that has 23 ogres. So he comes down at 23 points. Oh my um, gosh. And he's a huge provision count. And obviously, I'm not running anything but ogres. So like you can't play the best tech cards from other things. Like the only card I'm running that's on ogre is uh, a um, a pretty high provision count card that allows you to like reset your um, your leader ability with a new sort of randomly generated one. Uh, really fun card, Renfri, um, for those familiar with the lore, but. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, like, but the, everything else is ogre, So, uh, it's definitely a big deck commitment. But it's it's super fun. And so, I've been playing with that while slowly trying to collect enough uh, resources to. I've decided throughout the course of this month, I'm going to just focus my efforts from a uh, like a collection building perspective on. Unlocking the rest of the monsters uh, cards. I want to get. I want to unlock the entire monsters faction. So I'm just going to focus in on that while you guys play around with the other factions. Especially once Gibby told me he was dipping his toes in Scryatell, which is my other faction that I like. Uh, I said, you know what? Uh, I, I I'm happy to chime in on Scryatell. I've been playing a little bit of it, but uh, I'll just I'll just stay in my lane as a monster spammer and uh, and report on that. And we'll let you guys have fun trying out the other factions.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you're enjoying the monsters faction. Uh the one that caught me off guard, so I played against one of those ogram decks uh Mm -hmm. on stream with another like another viewer. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was nasty. Like the power that you can get up to is
2: really high. Um it it, it definitely is just like tons of points on the board. It's not mm -hmm. a super like sophisticated deck per se, and that like it's actually Mm relative. It's it's funny. I was talking to my dad. So, uh, good old good old dad broke nerd or dead broke dad, uh, depending <laughs> on how you want to say it. You know, he played Gwent for a long time too, and so um, mm. he booted it up and he was telling me he's like, you know, what's what's wild is like I feel like the game is more complicated than when we, than when we left the game and when we stopped playing. And I'm like, it absolutely is. There's no doubt. Mm. It is not a simple game. I was like, but <clears throat> there are still simpler strats that are competitive. Like, and so it's, I think that even a player that's newer, but wants to have a high performing meta list can find something that is a little bit more linear in play pattern. Um, And so that's what the giants feel like, but sorry, what were you saying? What else did you, what else have you uncovered in monsters?
0: Uh, I played against a couple of decks that were like, I guess it's vampires, but a lot of like bleed. Yep. Um, mm. where they make all your stuff bleed, and then they benefit when your stuff bleeds. Yeah, dude, the
2: Vampire um, Package is just fantastic. Ooh. That's super fun. Yeah. yeah. I've,
1: I've I've beaten that matchup, and also lost that matchup, depending on what I was playing. I was telling uh, DBN that I ran into that Vampires deck, where mm-hmm. everything they try to make everything bleed, mm. and I ended up making... It was the first game I ever played with uh, my new uh, ScoiaTel deck, where a lot of my stuff cleanses and purifies or gives vitality, which counters bleed, Mm -hmm. Um, basically bleed and vitality will cancel each other. Or, I've got cards that will purify my guys. So he would make something bleed for three and I would immediately purify it. And his guy that's on the board (laughs) waiting for me to take blood bleed damage so he gets bigger never does. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I also am not getting any smaller. Because I'm purifying everything. So he was, he quit the game. He quit the matchup. I was like, <laughs> I feel bad, but I also don't. This is fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely had a couple of, of tough run ins with the bleed deck that it, it, it can get out of hand if you're not careful against it. Well, listen, we're going to talk a little bit today about how to build a collection. And I have honestly felt like in the past couple of games that we've covered that were like CCGs, um, that. I was giving advice, but I've often felt like it probably wasn't great advice um, with building a collection because I was still in the process of learning how to do that. I think that's a little different, uh, in my opinion, with this game, um, because I have I felt like I've actually been given the tools and understood how to build a collection. So we're going to talk about realistically kind of three things. Um, We'll start. I'll kind of start with this. We're going to talk about what to buy in the shop in terms of packs in order to help you build a collection faster. Then we're going to talk about the reward pathways a little bit and give you if you want to chime in on some of earning keys and redeeming keys and what that looks like. And then DBN um, wants to take us into a a deeper level. It's actually one that I haven't looked at yet. um, That sort of like after you've gotten a bunch of like the free stuff sort of at the beginning and you've learned how to, you know, unlock cards. Um, like what your goal should really be to keep that pace of unlocking new stuff going. Um, because I think you can unlock new stuff. Great. Um, but eventually that sort of slows down. If you don't tap into this last thing that I honestly had not looked at before. Um, so we'll talk about all of those things. I'm going to kick it off and, uh, and start off by saying, Hey, there is like a brand new set out and stuff or not mm-hmm. set like a brand new season or brand new month out. I just realized that. Uh, that you can go check out in in, in Gwent right now, um, but if you go to your shop uh, and you want to know, like, okay, how what's the best way for me to start actually building a collection of cards? Um, because I think that that is, you know, obviously like a common common want for people right at the beginning. Like, what is the fastest way for me to get cards to be able to make a standard deck or a premium deck? And in previous other games. I think the advice that I would have typically given is like, you either have to spend money on a bunch of packs or kind of go with what you've been given, right? Like go with what you like. You get a starter deck. If you open up a pack and you get like a good legendary from a faction, maybe work on that faction, like go with where the luck sends you. What Gwen allows you to do is channel your luck in a specific direction. In a way that is different than I think any other game, and is probably my favorite way of building a collection next to Runeterra's uh, wild card system. I actually loved Runeterra's wild card system. It was completely pointless after playing the game for a couple of weeks because you had every card in the game like right off the bat if you played as early as we did. But I still think that their system there was really really good. What they did for this is instead of just giving you, like, let's say Hearthstone, neutral packs, which they call them kegs in this, right? They're just like, hey, all of the cards that are in the general set you can get out of this. And then also giving you, like, uh, set packs, right? So there's kegs that are, like, specific to, uh, like, a set. And so you can get Crimson Curse kegs. If you are a returning player, that might be really valuable for you, right? Because you're like, I have a bunch of the cards, from way back when. What I don't have is any of the new ones. I'm going to get packs that are specific to that. That's nothing new. That's in every card game. What they give you that is beautiful for a new player that's free, specifically, is Faction Kegs, which allows you to buy Neutral, Nilfgaard, Northern Realms, Monster, Skeleton, Syndicate, or Sokatal Kegs. Did yeah. I pronounce that right? DBN, Sokatal? Tau.
1: <laughs> A scoyotel.
0: Scoyotel. Scoyotel uh, kegs. And you will get five cards in one of these packs or kegs. And the last one, which we said last week, you'll get the choice of one of three. And that's usually your rare or your epic or your legendary is frequently the one that you get to pick, right? That one's the one that's guaranteed to be weighted heavier. What's really cool about that is that although I am brand new to the game, the game gives you a healthy amount. Of, of resources to purchase your initial sets of packs, you know, kegs with which Gibby will get into a little bit because that has to do with sort of like the royalty or like the, the pathways for rewards, like the reward paths give you an ample amount of ore, which is gold in this game and used to buy the kegs, which are packs. Um, what I have found is because I've only bought Skelliga ones, although I do not have, all of the legendaries and epics. I have all of the bronze cards, and I have two of every bronze card, and I've only been playing this game for a couple of weeks, which means I can spend my crafting materials on the legendary cards or the epic cards, and in order to build a deck, I'm not just getting like a swath of cards from one of eight factions, and then I have to figure out a way to craft commons and uncommons or rares or epics in addition to trying to craft the big cards. Because of these, these faction-specific kegs, you're able to flesh out the collection for an entire faction pretty quickly so that you don't have to take and use your precious crafting materials on less powerful, less impactful cards. I can focus on all of my crafting materials into golden or orange legendary cards. I don't have to focus them into the lower tier cards for the faction that I'm playing. If you are new to this game, spend your time in the faction kegs because I think that for me anyway, has definitely been the most helpful way to build a collection for free. Now, I will say this, if you're the type of person like me, who you experience a new game and you do not mind giving them a few dollars like you don't mind throwing a couple of bucks at them there's of course all kinds of things that you can throw money at in a game like this but on top of having your uh you know your your kegs that you can buy they have something called packs which is even more confusing but a pack is basically a grouping of resources they have two things that you should keep an eye on they have a starter pack Which is going to give you a handful of packs and some cards to be able to play with, along with the choice of one sort of like animated legendary gold card. And I think that's like five bucks. I found that to be worth it.
2: Yeah, for each faction. Uh, Or they have a
0: general one too. The general. So they have a general starter pack. And then. Is that the one with Triss? Um
2: I can't see it cuz I I think I bought mine it, had a but...
0: random one. The one that I bought gave me a oh, okay. random legendary animated legendary. But gotcha. and then I think maybe like 5 packs, like 5 packs of cards. Yeah, it would have been something like oh. that, yeah. Then they also give you these $5 faction packs, which give you a faction-specific Legendary, a mm-hmm. faction-specific Border, and then five faction-specific Packs. So I went in and bought the Skellige one for 5 bucks, um, And that gave me five Skellige Packs, a Border that I could use, um, and also a specific card that was uh, Legendary for Skellige. I would say buy those two things, before you buy anything else out of the store. You'll notice some things that are like 60 or $70 in the store that seem like really expensive. Some of those are expansion passes. Some of them give you all the cards in a specific expansion. But for starting out, grab that base one and then grab the one if you're willing to spend 10 bucks that give that's specific to your faction. And then finally, if you're really feeling it, which I have not been, so I have not done this, you can get the ultimate starter pack, which is gonna give you, I don't know, 8, five, six, seven, thirty-six. Eight, thirty-six. It's, it's less pegs.
2: than a dollar a pack.
0: Okay, yeah. Less than a dollar a pack. Really good value. And it's, it's going to very good, those good things. value. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna spread those things over, I think, like literally like all of the stuff.
2: It's like, four of yeah, it's four of every set plus uh, um four ultimate kegs which contain everything so you have a chance to get in anything, anything. um and, and then ultimate uh, premium and kegs then ultimate as well. premium which is every single card in a premium keg is full art animated um yeah so hmm. it is wow. a it is a very good deal in terms of like price pack like pack per price or price per pack so like but i mean it's a it's an upfront 35 bucks so like you you know make sure you like the game before you you buy it or unless you just have random money to spend and i won't tell you not to support a game that you like um because it's not a rip off for what you're getting
0: yes yeah you actually do get like it's great like you get
2: great it might great value there i, I would ar- i i might be less impressed with this if it wasn't for the fact that every single keg you open you get that choice you get to it'll pop open and you'll get four random cards and one card which you will get to choose and it's the one card in the middle which is at least a rare if mm. not better and you'll get to choose which one you want and that like that agency to like shape your collection in that way does make opening kegs a little bit better of an experience than something like Hearthstone where yep and i would also argue that like so one, so one of the other things, cool things about opening a keg is it'll show you when you open it, if you have any of these in your collection already. Yep. So that, that way you won't like point. forget. And so you can see, okay, do I have, I have one premium version of this and one non-premium version of this. You know, do I want this or do I want this thing that I've never gotten a copy of before? Um, and so that's very, very helpful when opening these. And so like, un, and then the last thing I'll say on this is like, this There is so, there are very few cards that have no viability. Yeah, most of them will fit somewhere. There's a lot of cards that are niche or a lot of cards that are like focused around a certain archetype, but it's very rare for a card to see zero play. And typically when a card is seeing zero play, the devs are extremely good at buffing underused cards. They do it all the time in this game. It's one of the best parts of Gwent from a long term perspective is they are constantly tuning cards with the goal of making every card theoretically viable. So like filling your collection with cards like you're not going to you're not going you're, you're to be filling your collection with useless things like Hearthstone. It, that's my biggest complaint about like the economy is like there's a lot of pack filler. And there always has been. Mm-hmm. So
0: you, th- I mean, I think our suggestion would be um, start with focusing in on a faction, use your free resources to get faction kegs. From there, the starter bundle and the faction-specific bundle for the one that you're playing, 10 bucks. And if you are type of person who feels no, nothing bad about throwing 50 bucks at the game or you begin liking the game enough that you want to throw 50 bucks at the game, then I would say the next thing that you would do would be Buy that ultimate starters, which I haven't done yet. So I'm not telling you to do it just because I've done it. I haven't done it. So, um, but that's a good way to go in terms of the shop and in terms of the cards. But like every card game, there are also ways to earn other resources in the game. And these things are called keys. And then you use these keys on an enormous amount of different reward paths. And Gibby is going to tell us a little bit about how to use the reward book in the game because it's definitely something you need to use.
1: Yes, and I am going to easily and and happily take the advice and uh, additional commentary from our good friend DBN here because he knows even more, even though I've been using some of the reward books, he definitely knows more than I do about them. So feel free to correct me wherever I'm wrong or if you've got additional commentary on it. But the reward books are fantastic for being able to transfer those keys into Uh, additional resources whether you are trying to craft cards using um the resource which we haven't talked about which is meteorite power uh meteorite powder or um uh, gaining additional kegs um which tend to be general kegs depending on which path you're in or getting scraps to be able to create to craft cards or or for um transferring those into kegs. But when you go uh, on your home screen, you'll see a tab that says reward book and you click into that reward book and it's gonna show you a bunch of tabs at the bottom. One for all of the seasons or all of the different sets, I think so far that have come out where there are different paths that you can choose. Some of them seem to be based off of characters within the Witcher realm. And I would imagine it's also based off of as those cards were added to the game. Um, but uh, there are also ones that are just specific to at the at the base for each of the different factions. So I have gone through and worked the syndicate one. Uh, I went in, for example, into the Year of the Boar, and I believe syndicate was actually added to the game later uh, during the Year of the Boar, which is why their um, faction um, their their basic faction reward line isn't in the general tab but in the year of the boar tab Um, so for example i went into my syndicate uh, line and you started in the center of what looks like these kind of little trails and you can utilize the keys in order to branch out your trails and this goes for all of the different reward paths now uh, most of the generic faction based reward paths um, it's usually one key per space, and it'll give you anywhere somewhere between like 50 ore or 30 meteorite power, powder or these um, different chests. There's usually three to four chests at least per um, path that give you a combination. Gave, they'll they give you two, um, two kegs and a certain number of scraps and a certain number of ore, and depending on how many of them you've unlocked, it actually goes up from there in uh, the the amount along with these little story nodes where they're giving you some background about the story which you and I we, we all know that we love the lore in in games and love reading about the stories if you're unfamiliar with some of the Witcher the show or the books or anything like that um, then this is a really good way to also learn a little bit about the faction if there's one you're particularly interested in so I can say and some of the, the nodes will be five keys instead of one but uh, mark you can probably attest to this early on by just playing the game you just start completing quests you didn't know existed and you're just gaining keys left and right not realizing what you've done by just yeah, playing they give the you game, a ton
0: at the beginning you're just playing and like after every game you're like hey here's some keys hey here's some keys hey here's some keys um so yeah you get a lot right in the beginning for sure
1: yeah so you've got all of these different keys um that you will eventually just kind of luck into or, or you can intentionally play into, if you know what you're looking at with some of the different um, challenges that you get the keys, you get you can get the different reward paths pretty completed quickly. Like I'm, I'm pretty much done the syndicate path and I um, they give you even some different like avatars to, to take into the game. So some of it will be cosmetics, some of it will be actual useful resources uh, that will contribute to building your collection. Um, and then as you go back out, as you click into the, each of the different tabs, there are, uh, for example, like the Year of the Wear rat um, or the Year of the Great Oak. There are different characters um, that have, if you look closely, a symbol right next to the character's portrait that kind of tells you what faction this character's track represents. So if you're still trying to focus on a certain faction, you can go in, and you can open up that year's quest line and figure out what character was added to the game for your specific faction that you're interested in, and you can start completing that track. And if you're ever not, it's something I learned recently, if you're ever not sure what you're missing in your collection, you can go into your profile, and on the right-hand side, if you're playing on mobile like I am, and I'm sure it looks somewhat similar, if you're playing on a different interface, it will show you not only what uh, level of collection you've got for each of the different factions, but you can also filter by what year or what like set. you You can click on a set, and it'll show you how many cards you own of each of the different factions within a set, too. So you may be like, "Okay, I see." Like for example, I have 160 out of the 240 total Syndicate cards that we've been playing, and I've only been playing for a week or two. So, and we can assume that's a lot of the bronzes, but if I can, if I go through the specific years, I can figure out what factions or or what uh, years and and seasons I'm missing the most cards from. And I can go start working on those quest lines to unlock uh, kegs that are for those specific years or just take my, take my ore or take my keys to the shop and go, go visit Shoop and get some uh, some kegs for those specific years. So there's a lot of tools to tell you where you're missing and where you should be focusing your keys on. The reward book is rather deep and it's going to be a long time as a new player before you get anywhere close to filling out full pages on a lot of the page- on a lot of the reward book pages. So it's it's important I think even as uh, Mark and I moved from new players into somewhat medium intermediate players uh, in the coming months. If we continue to play Gwen or if you're already an intermediate player or an experienced player, it's important at all stages to continuously refer back to that reward book and utilizing the resources. If you've got something that you need as and even as they add more content to the game, um, Just utilizing the resources that you're accumulating by completing quests, whether they be short-term daily ones or long-term ones in the challenge book.
0: Yeah. So I will say this just as one little little thing, caveat, is when you first join uh, into your reward book, you're only going to see six options, um, one for each faction. And they're kind of like starter paths. They're inexpensive to complete, and they will give you quests. And those quests you'll need to complete to continue moving on the reward path and those quests will typically give you good epic, legendary, or staple rare cards that are going to be part of your specific faction. Once you completely finish any one of those six factions, it will open up every other reward page for you. Now, just to be clear, there's only 15 locations in these factions, and each one of them is pretty inexpensive, like a single key to go to. If you look in, like, the one that I'm in right now, which is like, I don't know. It's, it's uh, it's I I guess it's like a Skellige one, like a future Skellige one. Um, I mean, we're, we're looking at something here. Like there's 37 just in one of the six pathways that are here. And then there's another six that each have 28. And then there's dozens of paths that I have not even unlocked yet. My point is, is there seemingly almost as a new player, a limitless number of rewards that you can gain inside this game. I'm sure if you've been playing it since the beginning, maybe that's not the case. But for me, it's like, nope, the it's like limitless rewards. I'll never be able to churn through all of the rewards that they give you access to, um, in these books. I'm only on like my section, my second or third, like run at one of these things. And I've been playing for several weeks and there's dozens of them, tons of rewards, which brings up, a, I think, a good point. And that is, well, then how do you get the keys? Right. You said they give you some keys. Great. But if I want to go back and one of the coolest things about this game is that they don't lock you out of rewards. So like hey, year of the great oak or year of the Wear rat or year of the whatever. Hey, this stuff is year of the cursed toad. All of this stuff happened in the past. I wasn't here for it, but they still let me go back and finish all of those reward tracks and gain the cosmetics and the crafting rewards as part of it. I fully expected to be locked out of all of the old stuff. Nope. Gwent leaves it open for you, which is amazing. But that being said, you're going to have to find a way to get keys and a lot of them, like a crazy amount of keys. So, if you wanted to keep unlocking stuff, DBN, how do people figure out how to get keys and uh, and you know where they should do go to get them and like what they should do to get the most keys they can get so they can keep unlocking stuff as they progress?
2: Yeah. So this is maybe one of my critiques of uh, Gwent, which is that uh, despite it being a, I think a very grit, I, I think it's a very good game just across the board. I think that it's not without weaknesses. And one of the weaknesses that I think that it has is that the menu is overwhelming. And so, like, there's a lot that's crammed into this menu, partly because this game has catered so heavily towards keeping existing players as opposed to just churning new players in and out, which I think is a good problem mm-hmm. to have. And it's a good, you know... um, I think as a returning player, you feel like the game and the devs care about you because they're giving you a lot of things to do. Um, You know, they're making sure that your time is well worth it when you play the game. But I will say this, uh, there's definitely a component where like things are hidden away. So there's a few ways that you can get keys um, and I'll just quickly run through them. Um, And that's going to be, obviously the first thing is your quests, right? And so like at the bottom left of your menu, you can pull up your daily quests. What's really cool is you can pull them up in game. So there's a little sidebar arrow when you're in a match that you can pull out and it'll pull this menu out. And you can look at the quests and say like, oh man, I actually need to play this extra bleeding effect to finish this quest for today or whatever. Um, you'll get a daily quest, uh, which you could reroll once for free. Uh, very similar to a lot of other games. And it'll be things like uh, with you know like win three matches as the faction monsters. I've got that one in my thing here. And that'll give me 60 ore. And uh, 100 ore will get you a keg. But you can also get one that says play 60 neutral cards. And it'll give me two rewards points, which I can go into the rewards book and claim. Now, there's also uh, some faction quests, depending on if you're doing that track of the reward book, that beginner track. I do just to, to, you know, plus one what Mark said. It's probably the best value. Definitely do it for the factions that you're interested in. But if you just want, If you eventually think you want to do everything or you want to try every faction, do that book for every faction, because the cards you get are like staple cards and very, very strong. And most of the most, I just checked it out. Most of the, um, like beginner reward book things, all of the cards that you claim from, uh, completing the quests are, 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 like go together. Well, so like they're part, they're like a package almost. Um, Anyways, um, and then you have uh, what's called contracts. And this is something that I really think that Mark and Gibby, as you play more in the game, you're going to want to play towards your contracts if you want to accelerate your uh, you know, new resources, getting more rewards points. And so the best way to do that is to go up to the top left and click on your portrait. And when you click on your portrait, you're going to see your summary. Um, so you can see like... Uh, you know your rank uh the amount of times your your uh, opponent has gg'd you at the end of the game if you don't know make sure you always press the gg button because it gives your opponent a free 5 uh or and it doesn't cost you anything so always gg your opponent it's good sportsmanship and helps everybody grow their collection anyways you can see your amount of wins for the different factions all sorts of that you got your trinkets which is the next tab over, which allows you to customize like my, you know, your portrait and stuff like that um, and change out your favorite card, which is what shows up in your profile. But then if you go all the way over to the next one, which is contracts, this is where once you hit that new player transitioning into like, I'm hitting that wall of, like I'm not getting that as much free stuff just thrown at me anymore. And I need to earn stuff. The contracts is where you want to spend your time because you can go through and you can check out, uh these contracts which will say things like complete the tutorial get a 100 or okay you've probably done that by now but if you dig deeper into the ranked tutorial right uh the first time that you get to these different ranks uh you'll get some either cards or avatars things like that you can go into um you know your sort of gameplay and that's the one i really like to spend the most time on so if you go to your gameplay one you'll see tons of these different contracts and you can search it for, for different things, right? Like you could say like, um, I wanna search for, I'm, let's say Gibby, you're playing a deck uh, that has a lot of poison, right? If you type poison in, boom, droplet in your goblet. That's a contract you can work on. Destroy units only using poison 10 times for the first tier and that'll get you a reward point. When you do it a hundred times, that'll get you two reward points and so on. And they scale up. So as you play the game more and more and more, um, you know, if you can get to a thousand uh, times of killing poison units, you get seven of these um, uh, of these keys, right? But even just doing that base level is very easy and it'll get you a couple keys to like keep you going. Um, and so definitely like you will be getting some of these just by playing the game and the more you play and it's the more you try different things and the more yeah you will get a lot of these claim just by like oh wow i didn't even know i did that claim get some rewards keys but you can also focus your efforts if you're like man if i just get one more rewards key i can get this thing i want go to the contracts page check that out last thing i'll say is the journey so if you go back out to the main menu and you look at your tabs you've got the play button the cycle the reward book deck builder if you go to journey basically a battle pass but there is a um a free track and the free track uh basically it just gives you keys and so that's the other way that you're gonna be claiming keys is by advancing your little um thing and there's a uh um like there's there's basically journey quests and stuff like that and just by playing the game you'll advance along that track you can also of course um upgrade it um if you want and uh unlock the premium version and stuff like that but there's a lot more to the journey and i'm not going to get into it because you can switch between a few different tracks Mm -hmm. um
1: can i say one thing about the journeys the yeah the yeah go ahead gibby i didn't click into the journey tab until about 30 minutes before this stream yeah and i have found out if you have progressed your journey Mm -hmm. it doesn't give you a notification that you've progressed your journey and it doesn't give you the keys you gotta for having up. done it unless you go in. You don't even have to like, you just have to click into the journey tab. Yep. Because I just clicked into the journey tab and it, it was like, oh, bam, 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 bam. Right. You're not at level one anymore. You're at level 10. Here's 22 keys that you just earned. Yeah. I was like, oh, I've got keys in the in the bag that I didn't know mm-hmm. I had that I could have been spending this whole time. Right. So, so make sure that you're clicking in to the menus. That just seems to be the way the Gwent interface works. Is. Yeah you have to visit the specific places within for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, with the exception of some of the contracts or some of the, uh, the daily challenges, they will kind of pop up on your screen post game and be like, click on this. And then you'll be like, Oh, I got a reward. But some of the and menus so, you do have to click into it. Right. And so each
2: journey that and you, so you can switch between them. So if you're like, boy, I really like Geralt from the show, um, you know, I'm going to do his thing and that will allow you to obviously just get keys if you want to play for free or you can uh, work on your um, if you want to pay to unlock it. I think I don't remember how much it is. I, I never do. Uh, but if you want to pay to unlock, you can get some really sick cosmetics as well as a couple cards that are related to those characters. A lot of the big characters you would recognize from the show have multiple cards and multiple versions of, of that. So Geralt, you get one when you first play the game. I think he kills like a nine power or higher when he comes down. But there's other so versions. A strong card. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of... And they're mostly neutral, the ones that are in this. So um, my recommendation, of course, is... Focus on, you know, one track, and, and usually the higher you get, you'll hit these thresholds where, like, boom, I get five reward keys, or whatever. But, um, and so I'm not going to break down all the different rewards tracks because I don't even know what all is in there and which I can't re- make a recommendation on which one to go through. But um, similar to your quests, at the bottom left corner, you have a journey tab, and that has different quests that support advancing your journey, and those reset every week. So, um. That's pretty much it. All right. Awesome. Um, That is how you get keys. And uh, I hope that that's helpful for anybody who's playing along with us because, like, you get a lot of stuff for free. And if you're playing smart and you're opening, you know, and you're spending your ore on, like, smartly, like, to build into a specific faction, look, I'm not the kind of person that's going to tell you to go dust all of your stuff from the factions you don't like. You can do it. And I think Mark did that. And you can get a meta deck built relatively quickly with those sorts of strategies um and i typically have never suggested that for new players in games where there was a lot of crossover so things like um elder scrolls legends when we played that that was a strategy that some people pursued like i'm gonna dust everything in willpower and then you know play all the other factions or whatever and i've never been a proponent for that because of the amount of you know deck building um, sort of overlap. but mm. Gwent is a game where focusing on one faction is mathematically rewarded. And so I th- I will make the recommendation that do what we've done. If you're new to Gwent, you want to try it out, look at the factions, see what you know, seems cool. Take our, you know, I last episode, if you're just tuning in last episode, we broke down what each faction kind of likes to do what their theme is, but you can also go look this stuff up. You can go, there's plenty of articles out there that'll help you like figure out which factions most interesting. But the reality is, is that like this game will, it it, it will be hard. It will be hard to be competitive if you spread out across all the factions. So focus on one or two factions. Like I, you know, it's both a boon, you know, and, a and the bane of this game is that like, it wants you to be a faction loyal person. They used to run faction events where every, the entire player base would compete and you'd have to lock in a faction. And if you played that faction, anytime you got a win, it went to the big community tally. And so, uh, you know, they would, they would run these faction wars and stuff like that. And I don't know if, when they've done that. I don't know if they've done that recently, but, um. The game encourages you to be become a faction loyalist and everything built in the game is built around that. Now, obviously, when you play enough, you'll get to play everything. But um, as you're building your collection, that is truly just as, a, as putting a little bow on this part, dedicate yourself to one or two factions, and that will result in you having great experiences and strong decks. Absolutely. Well, I think that kind of wraps up most of our discussion
0: on the best ways to go about building a deck uh, here in this game. I think that um, Gwent has lots of opportunity to um, build and and play some really engaging and really fun stuff. And I think they've given you lots of ways to go about that. Like there's there's no small amount of ways and opportunities for you to build a fun deck and to get into the game and check it out. So hopefully this... Episode has been helpful for you for figuring out exactly what you want to play and how you want to play it and how to get your hands on those cards. Next week, we will come back and we'll have a little bit of conversation about um, uh, after that about building kind of like um, a meta decks and what that's looked like for us and why Mark. Has done nothing but get his butt absolutely kicked in this game, and he can never figure out what's happening. Um, and uh, <laughs> and if we would, uh, you know, the week after that, what what we're kind of final thoughts are, and if we're going to keep playing it. Um, once again, appreciate you guys tuning in for this episode, and and please come back for the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Cast. You can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash camplegend. And don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend Podcast Network.